Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. You know, one topic that we never discuss very infrequently anyway. And I don't know if we've ever discussed it on this podcast, but that is, will you get into real estate, which 2 million plus of you have done, where in the hell do you plant your flag? How do you choose your brokerage? What is the best place for you? Where's the right leadership? What's the right you know logo on my shirt? Does it even impact my career? Well, today, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about it with my good friend, Jesse Zagorski, who is, I won't name his brokerage. Maybe we'll mention it later. We'll leave that out Let's for now. Let's leave it out of it. It's, it's brokerage agnostic. Let's it's leave agno- it out. And that's why I chose Jesse for this topic, because everybody knows I'm agnostic. I'm not even in real estate. So I'm just, you know, a free bird. But everybody else has skin in the game. Jesse's one of the most agnostic, non, non-flag wearing, flag flag flying brokers team leads that I know. And so Jesse, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself for those that don't know you? How did you get into real estate? How did you land where you are today? And then let's get into that topic that I just led into. Yeah, I love it. So, so I've been in real estate for 18 years. My business partner for my entire career has been my mother. So I am a, uh, I'm a mama's boy. I'm very grateful to work to my mom all these years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of jokingly say, if there's a position in a real estate company or brokerage, I've probably done it. I've answered the phones. I've booked appointments for other people. I've been a buyer's agent, a listing agent. I've been the broker of record. I've been the janitor, clean toilets, like you name it. I've, I've probably done it. And I ran my own company with my mom for about 14 years of my career. So I've been on both sides of the fence. And I, I think it, it gives me an interesting perspective because like I said earlier, let's leave this thing brokerage agnostic. It's not, this is not a conversation of, Hey, this is a good one for you because of X, Y, Z reason. It's more of the, how do you even start to assess or look through this? And we can break it down into if you're a brand new or newer agent looking, because I've had a lot of conversations with newer agents that they don't know what they don't know. They got a flyer in the mail when they applied for their test or took their test and they're like, oh, cool, this looks like a good one. And some questions they could ask, or if you're an experienced agent, some things you look at later in your career, and then you apply this to your own, you know, whatever brokerage is you're looking at, we'll kind of give them some filters and framework to look at. I love it. I love it. And so uh, for some context, you, so 18 years in the business, 14 with mom was with mom. Was that Indy or were you guys at a variety of brokerages? Like what is the context of your experience? So, so I start. I started my career at Remax. And then my mom and I went independent. We spent some time at Sotheby's in the middle, then went back to independent and now with EXP. So that's the, that's the whole span of the span of the, uh, the my 18 years. Um, and I'm also a moderator for lab code agents. So I'm, I'm pretty, I've been a real estate trainer. I left that part out. I've been a sales nerd. Like I just like the process of helping agents and I like, I like sales. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you're one of the best at it. And you're one of the nicest guys in the industry. Yeah. So it's like you're it's like you're a long, long lost cousin of Tristan, because, you know, he also is known as one of the nice guys in the industry. All right. So this is this is really good. That gives it context, because I want you all to know that, you know, no matter what brokerage you come from, there's always that snake in the weeds trying to recruit. I promise you that's not the point of this podcast. This is about those of you, which is all of you, every this applies to everyone, whether you're looking now or you're going to be looking in six months, you're going to be looking in two Two years. This applies. Uh, so let's talk about it. And let's start with, uh, let, let's actually start with the newbie. Let's start with the, you know, you're less than five years in the business. You joined a broker. You said, I want to, I want to join real estate. I want to get in real estate because I can control my schedule and I can make all this money. And we're not going to talk about that part of it, but where do you plant your flag? What causes someone to choose a brokerage first off? And let's talk about some of the things that they should be looking for. Yeah. I heard an expression long ago. And I think when we no matter what we do in this discussion, the expression was people don't join companies, they join people. And so as we have this discussion, especially for newer agents, there are some things you can look for in the actual company and the brokerage. But part of what goes on for most newer agents, I think is a mentor or a human being or a person that regardless of what company that person's with, they're looking for someone that can fill that role. And when they come across, whether it be a manager, a team leader, a mentor in the office, there's someone that makes that initial human connection that when you're joining this industry, that's the place I see most people starting is looking for a human that they connect with, let alone what's the flag that's being flown, especially for brand new agents. Do you agree with that, Jeff, or do you think it's? I do. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably what causes it. It's all about human connection because they don't know what they don't know. Right. You, so you, I was just going to say, so then you have layer on top of that. There are certain companies known for education. I'm putting it in quotes because some companies are known for education around certain topics that's more impactful for real estate licenses career than others. And I'm, I'm truly not naming any one company here. I'm just, this is one of the categories that I would look at. If you're someone who's newer and you're like, okay, am I someone who values education training? You're going to gravitate towards one of the brokerages where if you listen to look at what their marketing material says, you listen to the, the talk tracks that the people that are trying to bring you and say, they're going to, going to be a heavy emphasis on education and training. And you really want to drill down into is the type of training you're getting something that will apply to what you do as an agent to hit the ground running. And is it applicable for the way you want to do business? So you and I know the way that a lot of people train is not aligned with the way a lot of agents like to work these days, given mm -hmm. right. A lot of agents have gravitated towards social media, attraction-based marketing, but the brokerages are still training in a certain way. So I don't think you can rule out any brokerage as a broad brush and say, well, this, this whole brokerage from top down, they're old school. There's not because there's human beings within every brokerage that are going to align the way you want. And that's where I would tell people to look is at a brokerage level, look for the education and training along the way you think you want to work and a human being within that organization or human beings that also align and inspire you. Would you say that that's probably one of the top reasons, if not the top reason why someone should shoot or choose a brokerage? for training and education as a new agent. Yes. I believe that's probably one of the top priorities because it, when it comes later on, some agents will, will right. will will make decisions based on splits, how much money they're ending up in there in their pocket. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. All I know is being a broker owner, right. When I used to own my own brokerage, if you're competing based on splits, it's kind of a race to the bottom. There's always going to be yeah. someone who's cheaper or less than you. And as a new agent, it doesn't matter how much money you keep if you're not doing deals. Like you have to learn the foundations of a business. And I think your, your brokerage historically 
talking 20 years ago, used to play a lot bigger role than I think these days, a lot of brokerages have taken more of a, a higher level of legally, you got to have your license here, but you're going to get your education through paid coaches, through your team leader, through a lot of other sources that, that what it means to be a broker has shifted. But if you can find it in your brokerage, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the industry in general is a, is a, is a fairly loose industry. It's not necessarily office driven. It wasn't even pre COVID and now it's even less. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, is, do you think that there's some importance to joining a brokerage based on location, based on the physical office space, based on proximity to your home or brand name in your market? Does any of that matter? So I think it depends on the human being. Right. You and I were joking before we started rolling on this, where you're, you're, you're working from home. I'm in an actual office. We both have little kids of varying ages. And I got this office purely because my kids got old enough to unlock the office door <laughs> and like the, and to find it. And so like, and mom couldn't keep them far enough away. And I, I love my kids. I want them there, but not when I'm working, shooting videos, things like that. So I rented an office around the corner from me and I went out and I, it didn't matter whether I was with a brokerage or not. I probably couldn't have found a brokerage that was three minutes from my house. Like literally I, I would not go drive anywhere unless it was less than a three minute drive. So yeah. for me as a human being, I know myself, but a lot of agencies these days work from home. I don't think the geography of an office matters, but this is where I guess you ask, you ask yourself the question of what do you need? Do you want to be surrounded by other human beings in a physical sense? Do you want to be in a space where you have other, other agents there that are kind of, you know, lighting you up? Well then, yeah, you either need it from your brokerage or a team, right? Otherwise, if you know, you're like, no, I, I work great from home and I, frankly, I don't like commutes and I don't like traffic. The geography doesn't matter at all anymore. And I think, I think less and less the geography has probably mattered. If you ask a lot of our friends who do own various franchises of all different flags, mm -hmm. you'll probably hear a lot less of a, a reliance on geography as being an important metric in how people you know, pick their, pick their company. What about, what about leads? You know, cause you know, historically you're, you're, you're probably one of, you know, you've got that, you've got that education piece, the training and education, yep. you've got the split, which it's all relative, right? Because if you don't have the leads in the business and the training and education, you may have no deals. And what does it matter if you get hundred percent, the hundred percent of nothing is still nothing. Right. And so a, does that really exist anymore? Like the whole desk duty concept that used to exist where, well, I joined the brokerage because I get to sit at the front desk and I get to take the calls and I get to take the walk-ins. And so does that really exist anymore? And, and, and what has it kind of evolved into in your opinion? Yeah. So for somebody looking for that. Very rarely does that exist. If you have a really small niche market in a high foot traffic area, like a urban downtown, I do know a handful of agents around the country that still do floor time shifts and get business. Believe it or not, like it blows my mind. But in general, I think that no, if someone, if, a, if an agent wants leads, they're typically getting them from a team yeah. as opposed to a brokerage. I think that's where the model has shifted to. Um, if someone is looking for like, I just want business to come to me, to, to ask, to really ask good, I don't want to say skeptical, but be skeptical in terms of brokerage just saying, well, we have our national portal, which generates leads that yeah, two leads for a hundred agents is not enough to justify anything. Right? It's yeah. very few agents. I think they, they like the idea that they could get a lead from their national franchise company or from their national company or even their local independent again, yeah. but it's most small independents. Let's talk that world for a minute that do give out leads operate almost more like a team than they do like a brokerage. Like whether if, if someone's never heard the term teamerage, team yeah. there's a lot of teamerages that exist out there. That's what we were for many years. And I think if you're looking for that blend as a newer agent of leads and education, a, a teamerage 
is, is a, a great option. Would that agent who's looking for that? So they say, listen, guys, I, I've, I've, I know the game. I, I'm not going to start creating videos. I don't have a, I'm not spending money on Zillow. I'm not going to invest in automation. That's not my expertise. I don't want to dial for dollars. I really just want to go work somewhere where they are driving the business and they're handing it to me. What is the expectation typically for comp? for somebody who is looking for a role like that, because they have to accept that they're going to make less than they would at the hundred percent, but there's a give and take, right? Absolutely. I was um, trying to think of the range I would give you. I know for a lot of team ridges, depending on the volume of the leads, anywhere from a 25 to 30% referral fee on up to a 50, 50 split, depending on the market. And when you, when you talk about compensation, this is something that I would tell agents that you want to educate yourself to at least ask around, especially on a team standpoint, or even for, for interviewing brokerages. It's definitely not about choosing the lowest price brokerage. I've never, that's me personally. I've never believed in picking anything solely based on price because it rarely works out well when I, when I do that. But um, it really varies from market to market. It is really interesting when you look at, as I, I mean, I've been pretty obsessed with the brokerage industry for the last few years. And if you look at different submarkets, there's a wide range of comp plans. Like I talked to one guy the other day who ran a, they ran a small family owned brokerage in a small town in the Midwest. They are fourth generation brokerage owners. They have all of their agents in their brokerage on 50, 50 splits. They don't provide leads. They don't provide anything. They literally just provide their name because they have been the only real brokerage of any note in this small town for four generations. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like that's that old school. And, and they know it's not going to last forever. It's why they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of exploring what's out there, but it's in certain geographic pockets. So you want to know what's, what's standard call around, call a few different brokerages, find out what the splits are. You might have to sit through a three to four hour interview process to get the answer, unfortunately, but you should be able to find out what, what they're offering and, com- and kind of compare. What about culture? How important is culture so, you know, you're talking about, well, very independent, working from home, maybe not going into the office. What is, what, how important should culture be to someone and what they should they be looking for if they're looking for, you know, that's, you know, that particular element. Yeah. Culture is one of my favorite overused words and I'm not knocking that you're using, but it's like, it's one of those words thrown around. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, you know, like, like, Agreed. Another word. what? Agreed. Right. Like culture, culture is that non-tangible piece. How do you even define it? It's one of those things that I'll put this in context. If you're working with a buyer who can't really articulate what they're looking for in a house, but they'll know it when they see it. I, I don't, I can't tell you. I just, I'll know it when I see, it. I'll feel it. It'll feel right. For a lot of people, culture is like that. And so the questions you want to ask yourself about culture to help define it for you, because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Some people truly want to be left alone. Their idea of culture is let me do what I want and don't mess with me. Yeah. Like I don't like truly, I don't want to be talked to Just let me do my thing. Some people, their idea of culture is fun. There are offices that have foosball tables and kegerators and whatever all in the office. And people are in there on a regular basis, even with COVID right there. Like that's part of their culture they're looking for. Some people, they like a culture of collaboration. They want to be pushed forward in a mastermind style of people sharing ideas and that, that growth minded mentality. But I think, when you put it into different categories, that's what I would look at when, in terms of culture. So does it matter? Absolutely. But I think it's very different for each person, what type of culture they'd be drawn to. Is that, you agree with that? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I be, there's no right or wrong answer here. I'm just asking the questions because I'm curious because I think somebody listening to this who might be struggling with where they're at. I mean, I think these are all elements that you, you almost should be taking notes like, and then you almost should be listing all of these various elements for decisions and reasons why you would join a brokerage and then rank them. What is the importance to you? And, and you almost, I don't think enough people, probably enough agents actually define what that means to them, which, which kind of allows a segue to the experienced agent, because whether you're new or old in the business, you know, I don't even know what the stat is, Jesse, you might know this, but how often does an agent change brokerages? About every five to seven years. Is it that long? I would have thought less than that. According to the National Association of Realtors, it feels less, but on average, they will stay right around five years, I believe, depending on the study I've seen five to seven, but about every five years, an agent will change companies on average. And I'm assuming that's of agents that stay in the industry long-term because you have to combine that with the other stat of 87% of of people are out of real estate within five years. So I think they're looking at like long-term agents here because when you look at the agents that are leaving most companies or transitioning, it's typically agents that aren't doing a tremendous amount of deals. And so let's kind of separate those people out because I'm everybody listening to this, I guarantee they've met someone like this. Hopefully they've never been this person, but they've met someone and you've seen them go from company to company looking for something that wasn't there because the issue was internal. And they just took their same set of problems somewhere else and had the same issues and they still weren't doing business. That's different than what you're talking about of like, I think most experienced agents, what causes a move for a lot of them, it's some sort of issue will happen with leadership management and transactions, something that they, they've been either okay or a little happy that something happened. They just get frustrated, right? It's that piece that then causes them to go out looking where they're like, all right, is the grass green or somewhere else? I'll compare this to real estate coaching because you have some experience with the different coaches and coaching companies. Why do agents change coaches as often as they do? Why do they bounce from coaching to coming to coaching? Like you feel like you get the resources and you, do you know the term habituate? You get used to it. Like you just, yeah. it becomes normal. And something that you thought was amazing, you're like, yeah, it was normal. And yeah. then it's just that, that seven year itch. So it's like you got the, you got all that you can get out of it. Right. Is there something else that would help take my company to another, to take my, my, uh, that would take me to another level. This is where I would say, I mean, and I do spend a lot of my time focusing on recruitment. So I'm going to argue against myself now and say, the first thing you want to ask when you have that thought as an experienced agent is, is it actually my brokerage or can I look for something else I'm looking for outside? Like if my brokerage fine, I should be looking for something else in my career, whether it be coaching, training, collaboration, mastermind, something outside the brokerage. But if it truly is in your brokerage world that you're looking for something new, it was prompted by, some sort of issue, or it was just the fact that you're ready to look for something more. What would you look at? I would look and see what were the resources that initially drew you to your brokerage to begin with. Make a list of those. Again, you don't have to actually so much as score them, but write down what it was and then look for, is it the same type of things that brought you there that it's run its course and now you're looking for that again, or are you looking for something to layer on top of what you already have? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think for most people, it's either one or the other. They either want to they, they came for something and they got enough of it. They need more. Like they came for marketing. They came for mentorship. And now they're like, well, I've pretty much got what I've got. Now I want more. Or they have these pieces and now they need a new element. And that's why they start looking. Yeah. Maybe I can, I don't know, make, keep more money on what I'm already doing. Right. Is this making sense? It, totally. And, and I think, you know, what I wanted to comment on that is, is the one thing I hear, and I do hear this a lot because I think people, people will turn to somebody like me because A, I have, you know, influence and a name in the real estate industry, but I'm not tied to 
real estate. So I'm a safe place. They can come talk to me. They know I know everybody with every brokerage and I have a lot of recommendations. So when that happens, one of the things that I'm, the conversation usually is, is I'm not getting anything from my brokerage either ever or anymore. Or, you know, it's like you said, I came there for marketing and they're still teaching the same marketing tactics that we were you know, using 10 years ago right. and they're not evolving or they say they're innovating. They bought a green screen and it just sits there. They don't know. Nobody knows what to do with it. Right. And so I, to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because this, this is applicable to my industry. It's very applicable in my opinion. It's, it's the same concept, but to me, it's like, it's innovation. And to me, I think that's probably the most important critical component that everybody should be looking for in a brokerage or a team. It doesn't matter the name on your, your jersey. It's your quote unquote upline, right? And we use that in EXP terms. And the same applies to, to any other brokerage. It's whether it's independent, whether it's big box, your it doesn't matter. Your leadership. Who's yeah. your, yeah. Who, who are your leaders? Who are you connecting to that can bring you value and bring you innovation? And are they consistently innovating? Because if they're not consistently innovating, then you're going to get stuck along with them and you're going to find yourself changing. And that change, I don't know, Jesse, I think change causes you to slow down and it actually crimps your growth for a little bit. And maybe it's best, maybe you need it, but you know, if you can hitch on, latch on to a team or brokerage that innovates like no other, I think you've got a really good chance of taking your business to another level. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I, I fully agree in that that innovation drives a growth mindset. So you just reminded me one of the ways that I think most experienced agents end up looking for new brokerages. They wake up one day and they realize I'm the top producer in my office. And for some agents, they love that feeling. And they're like, I'm staying here forever. And some agents realize I'm now a big fish in a small pond. Right. And I, I've talked to enough agents over the years that I think when they, they realize that, I mean, most people listening to this podcast probably have the same thought I do, which is I want to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm ever the smartest person in the room, I'm happy to share. I'm happy to contribute, but I'm in the wrong place. I want to be surrounded by people that are going to push me and drive me. That that's what you mean by, by being around innovative people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And you brought up a good point. Like, do, do you, if you're the top guy or gal, if there's no opportunity for your own personal growth and you're just the leader, then you either have two options. You know, you can change, you can leave the brokerage, right? Because maybe there's no growth, but maybe there is growth. And maybe they say, listen, I need you to stay here because I want you to be the innovator. I want you to be the leader and you're going to earn a spiff off these people. How do you then grow? And I think the answer then is, okay, I'm staying at XYZ brokerage. I'm the top producer. No one will probably ever overcome me because I'm going to be the pioneer that they look at. They look to me as the pioneer. Where then did they go to make sure they can surround themselves with the right people and yet continue to, to fulfill the role that they have with their current brokerage? Yeah, f fully agree. I, I was surprised. I wasn't, I wasn't sure we we're going to agree on all these things, but I agree, Jeff, on all this stuff. It's, I'm in no way trying to say if you're the top producer that you should leave your brokerage. I'll have broker owners all over the country frustrated. I just told their top producers I'll leave. No, because like the broker owner helpfully worked in tandem with you to support you to get there, to get you there. So I just think that that's when people have realized when it's run its course, sure. that's when I find a lot of these decision points come up and they start looking and asking what else is there, right? Yeah. You wake up that morning, you're like, man, I'm the top producer there. Is there, is there something else I should be? Should we look at it? How do I keep, how do I keep driving this forward? 
the other piece of this that we haven't talked about that I want to make sure we save a few minutes to talk about. Do it. Technology, because it piggybacks on innovation. Yep. I don't have an answer on this one because I do hold a belief that you can create an amazing tech stack in real estate that has nothing to do with your brokerage. <laughs> Truly. Like you and I do a lot of webinars. We talk to a lot of people. I think if you got zero from technology from your brokerage, you probably run a pretty amazing business. And in some cases you're better off not using the technology from your brokerage. But is this a reason why if it's important to someone, especially this goes back more to probably newer agents whose budget is limited, but even experienced agents who, you know, kept their eye on their budget. That's how they got there. Do you believe that like technology in the tech stack is a reason why someone would come to a brokerage or change? Yes. It should be. Because I, I think it happens more often than not. Like you can get the technology out there, but if you can get it from your company without paying for it, again, this is not, nothing to either not pro or con for any specific company, but this is the, the race in the brokerage world, both between indies and franchises, that they're always trying to one-up each other. Yeah. Right? Like I'm, I'm not, I'll use one, bro first time I've used a, a brokerage name for this entire podcast. I'm not with them. I haven't been with them in 18 years, but I started my, my career with Remax. Okay. They, they did something cool. They bought this predictive analytics company a while ago. I was like, that was a cool move. They dropped a lot of money into creating this deal. Like, is that a reason to go to that company? I don't know, but it's, but you look at these brokerages, they're always looking for ways to differentiate themselves. Yeah. And so you want to see what point of differentiation works in your business plan. What about the brokerages that, um, and I won't name names, but you, a lot of you can figure it out, but there are brokerages that come and go uh, throughout you know, time that will just throw a bunch of money and they'll buy you and then make you sign a, a, a X number of your contract. You know, is, is, I'm, I'm sure there are some pros and cons to that, but you know, my initial reaction is like, listen, listen you're chasing the, the short-term money and is it the right long-term move and will it actually hinder your long-term growth because you took just the paycheck. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? That's the trade-off of, do you want money today versus money down the road? So if you are looking at a brokerage, cause there's a few, but there's, I know obviously there's one main one we're thinking of that offers a lot of upfront incentives in certain markets. And, and there's, there's other brands as well I, that you hear about it. Are you looking for the money today versus the money down the road? I was taught by my dad long ago. My dad's an entrepreneur my whole life. My dad, my dad always used to, used to say the expression, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Really old school. Like my dad's not 107 years old, but he still uses that phrase. And like, it sticks with me. If you're getting money up front from your brokerage, you're paying for it somewhere else, or you are, or you're offering such a value to that brokerage that they're willing to have you there because you are the, the flag bearer that they're going to use you as a, like a moth to a flame. They're going to attract other people based on the fact that you're there, but very few real estate agents are that influential that they're going to give you a, this sweet deal, a free ride. I always find that brokerages are pretty good about making agents feel really good. They're like, I got this great deal. Don't tell anyone else. I got this great deal. And then you look at it, you're like, actually not that good, but like, I'm glad you feel good about it. I'm not going to tell you it's not. And so you pay, you, you always pay for it somehow. That, yeah. that was all, that's all I'll say on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, I know we're short on time today. I, I think this is a good conversation. I hope it made some people think about it. And let me also say this. For those of you that stuck with this, if you are a leader, you anticipate being a leader, you want to be a leader, you are a broker, like you need to be thinking about this stuff. You need to obsess with this stuff. How can I bring consistent, sustainable value 
so that it's not a churn and burn. And maybe that's your model. We also have good friends that do that and do it really well. I'm personally not a fan of it, but it works really well. And they're millionaires as a result of it. I like sustainability. I don't know about you. I do too. And I think that's a really interesting flip side for this conversation is if you, if you are a broker owner, right. Or a leader, uh, you know, who's listening to this, if you put those factors together, right. We, what did we talk about? We had technology, we had innovation, we had culture, we had education and training. We had geography. I mean, I don't think we're missing any other categories. I'm sure, I'm sure there's something, but I'm sure people will tell us later. They'll point it out. I hope say, so. I hope they do. Yes. I hope so. Jeff, you missed this one. I mean, but if you combine an aspect of each of those and figure out, you said to rank them, the, the, the exercise I'll leave with people, if someone's listening to this, the, the audio version of this, they'll have to imagine what I'm drawing with my fingers, but like draw a circle, right? And write each one of those categories in like a, a slice of the circle and then rank each one so you can kind of see visually how important it is to you, yeah. how important is innovation, how important is technology, how important is culture, geography. I think that'll be a way for people to kind of pull this together to visualize for themselves and start making some more intelligent decisions on Am I at the right brokerage? How do I find the right brokerage? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll make them a better interviewer of brokerages to really know what you're looking for. So then you'll easily be able to weed out what you're not looking for based on what their value props are. Uh, Jesse, if somebody wants to pick your brain and it's not because they want to necessarily join, but they just want to, again, Jesse's a great guy. Uh, He will offer you advice. I promise you that he and I have had 10 million conversations how can they reach you? So all social platforms, probably the easiest Facebook, Jesse Zagorski, Z-A-G-O-R-S-K-Y, Instagram, either one, send me a DM. I, I do often, by the way, I, I mean, I'm, I'm biased to, to the brokerage I'm with, but I, I, I tell people when we're not a fit for them and I will tell them to look somewhere else. I, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of close with this part, which is I talked to someone who was in a small market that there wasn't much presence from the brokerage I'm with. And they were, they had this local mentor they had been talking to at another company. And this person was going to like, let them come to list it. Like this is a newer agent. They'd been in the business a year or two. And they said, this person's going to let me come to, to listing appointments with them and just shadow like a fly on the wall. They're going to come to my listing appointments and like, they're going to help me do it. I'm like, cool. What sort of split you're going to pay them? Are you going to pay like a mentor fee? They're like, no, they're not going to charge me anything. I'm like, are you sure? Like you're hundred positive. Like, they're, like they're, no, they're not, they said they're not, no referral fee. They're just going to come help me out on listings. I'm like, and they have the time and the ability to like actually show up, but even though they're not incentivized, like that doesn't make any sense. So, like, that's what they said. I'm like, you should do it then. That's amazing. Like true. Yeah. Like that's, I, I said, I don't think they're going to hold up their end of the bargain very long because they're not getting much out of it. But like, if they're truly, I think they might've been the broker owner of this indie broker and that's just their model. I'm like, you found a unicorn, like rock yeah. that as long as they're able to do it, they can't scale or grow very far. But like when you find things like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll give you advice. If something, yeah. like, do it, find something yeah. cool like that, do it. Just run with whoever your mentor is that you find. And then just keep an awareness of the brokerage as a whole. Is it serving you in all, all these categories? I love it. You know what? It will end this with this. You know, they say this, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I know that's just as cliche as the cultural word, but you know what? It's true. Find a better and bigger circle and you will find better, bigger opportunities to grow, whether that's with your brokerage, outside your brokerage, whether it's on another in another market. Uh, find those people. You just found one right here today. Uh, so go connect with Jesse. Jesse, thank you for your time, brother. It's good yeah, connecting man, with thanks, you. Thanks, Jeff. It was fun. Absolutely. Today's podcast is brought to you by Power ISA, the industry experts in real estate ISAs. Get more appointments. 
Make sure your follow-up gets done on time and you get the most out of your leads. Get a great ISA for real estate on your team and watch the results roll in. Power ISA has served over 1,200 agents in the U.S. and Canada since 2015, and it's the one-stop shop for everything you need to get a great inside sales agent on your team. Whether it's setting appointments with your internet leads or making outbound prospecting calls to help you get more listings, Power ISA can get it done for you. Visit PowerISA.com forward slash LCA to get started. That's PowerISA.com forward slash LCA. Natural Agents Podcasts.